So one size does not fit all when it comes to building, designing, and implementing canine fitness programs. I have a lot of people that will reach out to me and they're just like, will you just create a fitness plan for my dog? And they don't, um, they want me to just quickly throw something together, give them a plan and then run off with the plan. Uh, there's so much involved in creating a fitness program for your dog if you want it to be effective and to get the most out of it. And the best way to do this is to really customize your fitness program for the dog in front of you, um, for the dog in front of you and for the work or the sport that you're engaged in. And that's what I'm gonna to talk to you about today is what are some of the things we need to be thinking about when we are planning exercises and fitness for our dogs. I don't care if it's a pet dog, senior dog, uh, a young sport dog that's just getting started. It could be search and rescue, a police detection dog. It could be a protection sport dog, agility, fly ball, obedience, rally. All of these things are really, really important to consider when you're building a fitness program and, and looking at exercises to enhance your dog's health, enhance your dog's performance, to improve the, the sport that you're doing, to do better in your sport, and to improve the work that you're doing. So what I'm gonna share with you today are some of the things, um, some basic stuff that I immediately think about from the very beginning when I'm looking at helping people develop programs to bring out the best in their dogs. So just customizing these programs. So when you are looking at a program for your dog, an agility dog is going to have different needs than a herding dog. Um, a bomb dog is going to have different needs than a search and rescue do dog that um, does, uh, is searching rubble piles and collapsed buildings versus a bomb dog that is working, say, in the schools or um, working at events at, say, a marathon, right? There's different demands, physical demands, psychological demands on the dog and the handler. So, um, so I'm going to go over, I'm going to give you some images, some pictures to, to kind of help you think about how to think, you know, considering the programs you're designing. And it's going to be really helpful also if you can share with me what kinds of activities or sports or dogs that you're engaged in that you're wanting to build fitness programs or improve fitness. And also, um, as I'm sharing different ideas and things that I think about when I'm customizing programs, it, feel free to add comments and tell me other things that come to mind for you. Things that you might be thinking about if you're working with an agility dog, if you're working with a protection dog, if you do search and rescue. Feel free to add other ideas and things that come to mind because I have experience in a lot of these areas, not in all of them, and um, I really do think you can contribute to the conversation. Um, so thank you, thank you for joining me. Before I jump into the examples though, I know some of you, this is your first time, so I wanna give a quick introduction. My name is Erica Bowling. I am the owner and founder of Northeast Canine Conditioning. I love helping people take their sport dogs and their working dogs and turning them into elite canine athletes. And I also like helping canine professionals in, um, in implementing a lot of things in their fitness programs and their business programs to enhance learning for both the dogs and their clients. And um, before I start, I do wanna give you guys a heads up, especially if you're listening live or if you catch the soon after, I am doing a live webinar. Do we have any working dog people here, any police canine handlers, search and rescue, people who do protection work for sport, um, scent work for, uh, for sport, 
if you do that kind of work, this webinar is for you. And I posted it um, right at the beginning of the comments. I posted a link for the webinar. So I just wanted to make sure I announced that. Um, if you are watching the video replay and the, the webinar is going to be um, on June 23rd, this is 2019. Um, if you miss the webinar, message me and let me know if you're interested because I will either have a video replay or I will be doing it again. So if you're live Sunday, this Sunday, I'm gonna be doing a webinar and make sure you click on the link for that. So um, Angela, thank you for joining me. Yeah, from South Africa. This is, um, yeah, this is a topic that comes up a lot and I have a lot to, to share on this. And I think it's gonna help you guys think about when you're working with your own dogs, but also if you are dog trainers, if you're helping people with other people's dogs. So, um, so okay, now that I gave my quick introduction and, and reminded you about the webinar, um, we're gonna go straight into this. So when somebody comes to me and they want me to help them improve their dog's fitness level, um, I start by asking a lot of questions. I wanna know what is the dog's current fitness level? I wanna know the age of the dog because I only wanna do structured fitness programs um, you know, where they're working on a week, weekly basis with dogs that are physically mature. If I'm working with puppies, I'm gonna be doing different stuff. If I'm gonna be working with senior dogs or with dogs, if they've had health issues, I need to know that all up front. So the first thing I wanna do is I wanna make sure that I have a healthy dog and a dog that can safely participate in exercise and sport activities, whatever we're doing. So um, once I know that the dog is healthy, free of pain, um, then I wanna get a good sense of that dog's current activity level. I wanna know the goals of the owner. What are they wanting to, the owner or handler? And I also want to look at the individual dog in front of me because all dogs are going to have structural strengths and weaknesses. No dog is perfect. Some of you might think you have the perfect dog. No dog is perfect. And they're all are going to be like all of us. Like, you know, maybe you like your arms and your shoulders or maybe you, you know, you like your strong thighs. <laughs> you know, maybe some of you, um, you know, uh, I've got a stronger lower body. My upper body, I'm kind of more narrow shoulders and um, just not as much muscle. So there's always going to be certain areas where your dog is going to be stronger um, structurally your dog is going to be more sound versus other body parts and um, it, this is really important because I, I'm not going to say here's an agility dog fitness plan here is a search and rescue dog fitness plan here is a protection dog fitness plan I'm going to look at the dog in front of me and I want to build a plan that's for that dog and so an example here is on the screen here. I'll enlarge it so that you can see it better. So I have, um, this is my Malinois. This is Knox when he was a little bit younger. And then this is just a German Shepherd I grabbed, you know, off of like a Pixabee, you know, a free site to, with the dog on it. <laughs> um, but this is, we've got a German Shepherd, um, might be more of a, I don't know, that looks maybe more like a Showline Shepherd. And then Knox is a Malinois. He's probably, I don't know, maybe he's about a year and a half or two years old in this photo. So um, so right off the bat, structurally looking at the dogs, we know sometimes just by their breed, we know there could be strengths and weaknesses structurally for the dogs. And also within the breed, I have two Malinois and they are built completely opposite. One is very big and tall and long and Knox is smaller and more square and more petite. 
Um, one of my Malinois is very long in the back, and he has um, he has um, nice shoulders and a nice chest. And then Knox is more square, and he has um, he has a lot more muscling in his hindquarters now than in this photo. But he tends to have more muscle in the hindquarters, and you can see here he's straighter in the shoulders um, and and down in the forearm. You just you see some some muscle tone here, but. Um, really, typically his shoulders aren't as developed or toned as his hindquarters. And also because his shoulders are a lot straighter, his shoulders feel that impact more when we're jumping and twisting and turning. So I have two Malinois completely different. One dog, my exercise program is going to focus more on the shoulders, like Knox. With my other Malinois, we're going to put we're going to do an emphasis all over the body, but I'm going to put more energy on my other dog on his hindquarters, and I'm going to put more energy on his lower back because he's really long and he's weaker in the lower back. So even within the breed, you can have very, you may have two Malinois, you might have two golden retrievers, and their fitness program may be completely different because of how the dogs are structured. So when you look at the picture here, um, the German Shepherd, typically shepherds, especially if you got shepherds are known, um, you know, typically will have some more slope in a shepherd, say compared to a Malinois. Um, you see, unfortunately, a lot of issues in the hind end, um, being cow hocked in the hind end. This shepherd you can see is coming more narrow together in the hind end. Anytime you have excess sloping of um, shoulders and hindquarters, the more angle, more angulation you have, the more slope you have, you're losing some stability. So when you compare these two dogs, I would say with the shepherd, the weaker area of the shepherd would be the hindquarters compared to the front end. If we had to say if one needed a little more work than the other, um, the dog is more sloping, more angled. Um, you see more narrowing in the hindquarters. And structurally, I would say this dog, um, I would bring in more strengthening and some more extra focus on the hindquarters. With Knox, um, like I said, right now he actually has more muscling in the hindquarters than you see there, but typically he has nice muscles in the hindquarters. Typically his shoulders aren't as defined and he's very straight in the shoulders compared to, um, I, I would like to see a little bit more angle in the shoulder. So for Knox, his program, I tend to put more emphasis on shoulder exercises to work on more toning and definition of the front of the shoulders and the chest. And when I've ever had him limping, knock on wood, it hasn't happened much, but when when he has limped, it has been on his front end. Um, and so, so even before I start any kind of, you know, what kind of work are they doing? What kind of sport they are doing? I'm looking at the dog in front of me and I'm looking at things like muscle tone, size of muscle, the length of the back. I'm looking at the angulation. I'm looking at you know the width, how narrow they are. Um, I'm looking at proportionally um, the length of the back versus the height. I'm looking proportionally at the length of the bones. Let's say we're going to compare you know um, the bones. We're looking at the scapula. We're looking at the angles of the bones in the shoulder. These are all the things that are going to give me information about structurally where is my dog stronger and where is my dog weaker. And I'm going to consider that when I'm building my fitness program. Now, it doesn't mean that for Knox, I'm only going to focus on shoulders. I'm going to focus on everything, but I do spend more percentage of the time 
if I have, you know, less time to do exercises, his shoulders will get um, attention. I want to make sure I don't leave out the shoulders because that's an area. For my other dog, it's the hind end. It's the lower back. It's the hindquarters because that's where the majority of his issues are. So, um, so from day one, I want to make sure I have a healthy dog. I want to look at the muscle tone. I want to look at if this is a dog overweight. I want to look at is the dog more square? Is the dog long? Um, versus tall. Um, I want to look at the muscle support, the musculature of the dog. Um, uh, do the muscles look flabby? Do I see some really nice definition of the muscles? And how do the muscles look kind of proportionally? Does it look like the dog is very balanced? Or does it look like I have a dog that's real developed in the shoulders, but he's got these little, you know, um, this little, uh, my, my Doberman, she had this little tiny, this little skinny butt. She had this real nice front end, real nice chest on her. And I just called her skinny butt because she, she didn't have much muscle in the hind quarter. So these are things that um, when you're customizing a, a program, an exercise program for your dog, definitely think about what are your goals? What are your activities? What's the job you have? But it does really help to know how to do a structural um, an analysis of your dog and also a gait analysis and look at what is revealed through your dog's movement on strengths or weaknesses with your dog. And, and when I say strengths and weaknesses, it doesn't mean that like your dog is um, injured or something is wrong with your dog. Your dog can be healthy, but just have certain areas that you need to put a little bit more emphasis. So... That is, that's one of the first things, you know, when I first look at a dog, I look at the overall body condition, muscle tone, and overall structure. And I'm, I'm walking all the way around the dog. I'm looking at the dog when they're stationary, and I look at the dog when they're moving. So once I get a good sense of kind of the dog in front of me, um, I will ask a lot of questions with the owner and find out, okay, what kind of activities do you do? What's the purpose and goal of your activities with the dog? How often do you train? How intense is your training? How many days per week? How consistent are you with this? All of this is going to go into consideration with my exercise program. Because if my dog is training three, four, five days a week, that's very different than a program I'm going to create for a dog that only does um, protection training on a Saturday. And so these are very important things that are going to go into customizing your program. And then in addition to the amount and the intensity and the workload your dog has is you have to look at the kind of work your dog is doing and what are the physical demands placed on your dog. So different sports and different activities are going to have different physical demands on your dog's body. So um, I don't know, do we have any, um, I know Angela, you do protection work. If we have other protection sport people here, but um, if you, this is my dog Knox, just look at his position. Just look at him. Look at his arching of his back. Look at the tight muscles in his lower back. Look at, um, look at the tension in his neck and his shoulders. Um, this is so true for, I don't care if you do IGP, I don't, if you have a military dog that does patrol work, um, protection work, if you do um, ring sport, these dogs that are doing this type of activity, a lot of times they're carrying the stress of it in their lower back and you're putting a lot of extra impact and a lot of ex excess, excess stress than a typical pet dog, right? on the spine, on the shoulders, on the neck, on the jaw, right? The jaws. So when I am developing a fitness program 
for a dog that is doing protection sports or for a police dog or any kind of dog that does this kind of work, I know the demands of this job is I want to make sure, in addition to being very well-toned and in good body shape, I want to make sure I have a really nice, strong core body on this dog, especially if they're doing things like they're running down the field at high speed and they're chasing the decoy and the decoy can move at any time in any direction. You have quick movements, sudden movements, high speed and high impact activities. So for these dogs, my fitness program, like my dogs do protection sport. I put a lot of time into stretching their lower back massaging their lower back, doing exercises to support the lower back and the core muscles. And then I also spend a lot of time on the neck, right, on the shoulders. And these are because of the demands of the work or the sport that is being placed on my dog. So a dog that is doing this kind of work is going to have a different emphasis, you know, on the lower back and what I'm doing around the neck, the spine, the shoulders, compared to say, oh, let's say um, a flyball dog. Now a flyball dog too has a lot of impact on the front end, but it's different um, compared to what we see with what's happening with the neck, right? The neck and that movement with our protection sport dog. Um, another thing that's not uncommon to see with our protection sport dogs when they're um, and the, doing the bite work, especially when they're running at full speed going down the field. And if they're doing a lot of changing of direction, that's where we see the iliopsoas injuries. That's where we see the pulled muscles, the soft tissue issue, um, injuries um, that are affecting around the groin area and the lower back. And so this is a key area that I want to emphasize and having a nice, healthy, strong back um, when I'm working with these types of dogs. So I know for a fact that Knox needs some good shoulder exercises, but then I also know because of the protection sport, I'm going to be putting some extra emphasis on his lower back, um, doing some good balancing, core muscle activities. And I always, after doing these types of exercises and activities, I always wanna do um, a nice check over to make sure there's no signs of tenderness and soreness around the neck, around the spine and things like that. So those are some of the things that I want to look at and consider when I'm customizing a program, specifically looking at the demands of the activity on the dog. And we're gonna compare this. I'm gonna pull up a couple other different types of activities. So the next one is um, an example is a dog doing agility. So um, with agility, we see a lot of things happening in the front end. Um, some of the most common injuries we see in sport dogs are in the shoulders. The shoulder, um, it's not like a ball and socket joint like what we have in, in the hip. Um, basically, it's, you know, it's, it's muscles and soft tissues that are helping keep um, the just keeping the body in good working order. And so what we see with the agility dogs is we see a lot of impact, a lot of repetitive use injuries, also a lot of things that come from the twisting and turning and landing and the hyperextension of the front end. So for these dogs, again, like my dog Knox, I might want to build on some nice strengthening exercises to have some really nice toned um, muscles in the shoulders. I also want to have good flexibility so that we have some really nice range of motion. So when the dog is landing and, you know, these dogs will already be halfway turning in midair before they even land. They're already looking at where the next jump is going to be. And so I want to have some nice range of motion so that if that dog's really bringing those legs out, we're not hyperextending those muscles as easily. Um, weave poles. 
right? Especially if you're doing a lot of training and doing a lot of weaving, we wanna make sure we get some nice stretching and some nice flexibility, some massaging of that lower back and keeping them nice and flexible. And for also our agility dogs, we have to be very aware of repetitive use injuries. So if you are doing agility on the weekends, you're training throughout the week, whenever I'm doing a fitness program for an agility dog, I'm paying very close attention to how much high impact activities and how much repetitive jumping the dog is doing. So I may wanna throw in more cross training. Um, if I'm concerned about doing too much repetitive type movements, um, I may throw in a cross training day with some swimming, some low impact, so that I can balance um, the repetitive high impact activities that are going with the jumping. So, um, so hey, Mayra, thanks, thank you for joining us. So um, as you're joining us, if you guys have a particular sport or a job that you're preparing a dog to do, if you put it, um, if you let me know, as I think of examples, I will throw them out there. And if I miss your comment, I'll come back and do it also in the um, afterwards. So that is um, how, you know, some of the things like all of our sport dogs, all of our working dogs that are doing high speed and high impact activities, they all need to have good core muscles. They need, that's like the holding the body together. Um, most of these dogs, when they're really active, they like we carry tension in our shoulders and our neck. These dogs, these active dogs tend to carry it in their lower back. So there are going to be things that are pretty much consistent that it's important for all of these dogs. But what we have to think about is when we're balancing it and where to put our emphasis and how much emphasis to put on those areas, that is where we start to look at what the weekly routine looks like, what is the dog already doing, and what are the demands of the activities of the work or the sport that they're doing. So, you know, so it's not like um, my protection dog, I'm gonna do a lot of core exercises and then a fly ball dog, I'm not. Any dog doing high impact and, and doing strenuous activity, they really need to be all around just a really good fit, strong dog in all areas. Um, but when you're doing your fitness program, you gotta think about, you know, how many reps, um, how, how many times are you doing an activity, how many days per week? And that's where I may make some different changes based on the job or the sport that the dog's doing. So let's look at what the next activity is. Okay, so these are sled dogs. And um, this could also be, um, let's kind of group these into like our dry land mushing dogs. So these are dogs that are going, um, they might be going distances, um, running, cycling. They might be pulling sleds. Um, they may be going from three miles, eight miles, 10 miles, 20 miles, 50 miles or more. So the difference here with these types of dogs, number one is um, some of these sports there, there's added resistance, okay? So right off the bat, comparing a fitness program for this dog compared to my agility dog is these dogs are not only are they covering long distances, um, they're doing more aerobic activities, they're going, you know, miles, they, you know, it's more than a 10 minute, I mean, sorry, it's more than like a three minute sprint, right? But in addition to having good cardiovascular, you know, uh, support for that, these dogs are pulling. So strength, building up strength is really important for these dogs engaged in any kind of resistance type activities, whether they're pulling you, pulling a sled, pulling a bicycle. Even though the bicycle's moving, a really energized dog is going to be creating resistance and that is strength training. 
Um, in addition to this, the, there's a big difference um, when we start getting into these types of sports and activities. The majority of our dog sports, bite work, protection sports, fly ball, agility, lure coursing, dock diving, the, the majority of the sports that we engage our dogs in are more um, anaerobic in activity. They are more um, short, intense bursts of energy. Um, and it's where the body system, the energy system is more anaerobic versus aerobic. So think about a sprinter is anaerobic and think about a long distance runner is more aerobic. And so you're training all these dogs benefit from both types of training, sprinting and longer distance cardio. But when I'm building my fitness program, if my sport is more of a sprinting sport, if my sport is more of an anaerobic activity, I'm going to be doing some longer cardio, but I'm going to make sure I focus on strength, um, speed work, intensity, and I'm going to be doing work to support them in those short bursts of strong, intense energy. These types of dogs, they will benefit, they will most definitely benefit from doing some interval training, some sprinting, some strength training, definitely. But even more so, these dogs, I have to build up some really nice aerobic capacity because these dogs can be going miles and miles. So um, the energy system's different. Um, this is when you're doing long distances is where you can have big changes kind of in how you're, they're burning energy in the food that you're giving them but also the emphasis in my training. So I may have a sport dog that maybe I'm spending three days a week that I'm focusing on anaerobic activity, kind of short, intense sprinting type of activities. And then our dogs that are doing these more long distance, more aerobic type activities, I'm gonna be doing more days and more distance and more time in just these kind of steady runs and trots. And another thing that's different is when I'm doing these longer aerobic activities, um, my dog may be doing more exercise, but it may be at a lower intensity. And it might be just, a, you know, I might have my dog at a trot doing 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes at a steady trot. If I'm building out um, intensity for speed and power for like dock diving, these dogs are going to be having a more proportional, when you think about how much training throughout the week, these dogs are going to be doing more activities that are doing um, strength, power, and speed. So, um, so they're all going, they all should be getting both aerobic and anaerobic exercise, but the amount and the intensity and when I'm doing that is going to vary depending on the activities that the dogs are doing. Um, so those are, um, those are some things to consider. And even, um, you know, even, even though when you think about like, you know, an agility course, the dog isn't just sprinting like 15 seconds, but when you're comparing it to something where like a dog is running or trotting steadily for three, four five miles, um, it, it is uh, different uh, cardio wise in the type of activity that you're doing and, and using them with. So Marilyn, thank you for joining us. Um, uh, yeah, you guys keep adding um, um, comments or if there's certain sports that you're doing. Marilyn says impact isn't an issue with scent work, but stamina is. Um, any suggestions for that? Um, yes, and we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I do, one of the last examples I have is a dog doing detection work. So um, here's the thing with, um, with scent work is even though you don't have, you're not doing the high impact activities, um, you want your dog to be in really good fit condition because the more fit they are, there's 
their nose is going to work better. If your dog is out of shape, if your dog is huffing and puffing, if your dog has excess fat, they're not going to search as well. So even though your dog is not doing high intense, you know, running and jumping and high speed activities, you still would greatly benefit from adding in some periodic sprinting, some interval training, because that speed and power is going to help lift up that cardiovascular system. It's going to help give a boost to just um, getting a healthier cardiovascular system for the dog. Um, but it's not, you're not going to have to do it at the at the intensity and the amount as say a dog that's competing in um, high intense sprint type activities. But um, Marilyn, for, for a dog that's doing detection work, I would still want to do aerobic and anaerobic. I still want to benefit because of the, the physical benefits of doing interval training for the heart, for the muscles, for strength. Um, but what I, I wouldn't have to worry, you know, I don't have to stress so much about doing so much high impact. Um, for that dog, I don't have to be running and jumping. I could just get a nice steady trot and doing my cardio through a nice steady trot and then I'm preserving the joints versus, you know, high impact running and jumping. Um, so, and we'll talk more a little bit about that, but for the search dogs, um, also balance and body awareness can be huge um, for them. So the next one, I don't, I think I have a slide or two before I get to the, oh, actually that's the next one. <laughs> so the next one, um, this is, I got this uh, friend from my, uh, this photo from my friend Connie Hine. And um, she she breeds Malinois and um, she does search and rescue and um, she's got some awesome dogs out there doing search and rescue. And um, what you wanna think about now in search and rescue, we've got in detection work, we've got trailing dogs, we've got air scent dogs, we've got dogs that do um, urban you know rescue, we've got dogs that are working um, in the city, collapsed buildings. And so again, um, you might say, okay, search and rescue, but, it varies on what those dogs are doing. A, a search and rescue air scent dog out in the mountains of Maine is going to be have different needs than say a trailing dog that is working in, um, in Chicago in the city um, trying to trail a suspect down a neighborhood, right? So when you're looking at scent work, you're looking at detection work, it can still greatly vary depending on the demands of the work of what the dog is doing. So in this example, this dog um, is working on a rubble pile. If I have a dog that is searching and collapsed, you know, buildings, um, well, definitely we want a dog with good stamina. We want a dog in good shape. We want a dog that is strong, that can balance itself body awareness, confidence and body awareness and balance is huge for these types of dogs. In addition, the more in shape they are, um, the better condition they are, it's gonna keep them in good balance. That's gonna help them with their body awareness. If a dog is overweight, if a dog's fatigued and tired, it's gonna impact their ability to maneuver um, efficiently and effectively through, through these types of rubble piles. Also think about when they're searching, are you searching with a dog that has to jump up into high spaces? Um, a dog that has to crawl through low, um, you know, going through tunnels, going under things. Um, is it a dog when they're searching, are they um, standing up on their hind end a lot? So when you think about the kind of scent work you're doing, think about the physicality, think about the physical demands on the body. Is your dog standing up on his feet a lot? Is it going for high, high fines? There, I'm thinking about, you know, think about the stress of the lower back. Think about the strength of the hindquarters. Think about the flexibility for the dog to be have a nice reach as it's reaching up for a high find. 
Um, if you have a dog that has to be jumping from one part of a pile to another, if a dog, um, we were searching, um, doing drug searches in a school and the dog, it was a high, um, uh, it was hidden up high up in the top of the ceiling and the dogs were jumping up onto a desk. And so it was in a classroom. Um, it had carpet, but the desk, the desks are very slippery, right? And so it was like a, the teacher's desk. It wasn't like a tiny student desk. So this dog had to be confident and comfortable and have good balance to jump onto a slippery top of a desk, had to jump on top. And then it actually was, this dog was actually kind of climbing the ceiling, was paws up on the ceiling because um, the scent was coming down way up in the corner of the ceiling. So this dog had to have some good balance, excellent body awareness, confidence on the slick surface. And then we also um, had to have good um, flexibility and confidence and balance to actually get its front feet up on the wall. Because if a dog jumps up on the desk and it's um, not well balanced, if it's insecure with its balance and it's not strong, that dog might not want to reach higher up and you might not even know that the, the wherever the scent's coming, you might not know that it's overhead because the dog is has different things that are keeping it from showing that indication. Um, so those are some of the things you want to think about, Marilyn, because you, you mentioned when they're doing um, doing scent work um, and definitely the overall good fitness is going to help with the stamina. And also a lot of things with the detection work is the, the mental. Um, it's not just building up the physical side of it, but it's also um, training. So the dogs are building up the mental capacity to work through the duration of long and difficult searches. Um, another thing that affects these dogs is when they're searching in the heat. If they start overheating and panting a lot, that's gonna affect their ability to do their job well. So these dogs, even though they're not maybe doing, you know, high impact, you know, racing down a field, you want them in excellent physical condition because with their searching in hot weather, you want them to, you know, minimize the amount of huffing and puffing and panting and getting fatigued from the heat and being in good physical fitness is going to help them with that. So, um, so those are some of the things that uh, I will be looking at when I look at, if somebody tells me they have a search and rescue dog, I go into a lot of questions. What kind of searching do you do? Are they trailing? Are they air scent? What kind of terrain are you, are you typically working? And I have to consider that whenever I'm building my exercise program. Um, Angela says conservation dogs have a combination of physical demands from air scenting to track tracking poachers over rough, um, veld to having to ride in helicopters and balancing in them loads of core and balance demands before having to jump out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, different demands. If your dog's jumping into a helicopter, that's different than, you know, maybe if I have a trailing dog on a leash and we're just working through the neighborhood right? And, and we, we live in, um, we live near the ocean and it's completely flat and there's no mountains and there's no, um, you know, rough terrain to go over. Those are things to be thinking about. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, as you can see, there's so much to consider in how do you put all of these pieces together to build the best program for the needs of the dog in front of you. Um, and then the, I think I have one more slide here. Let me see. And then the last slide um, I wanted to show you is um, working with your senior dogs. Um, this is my dog, Bachi. He's a senior dog. Um, and we are doing swimming because um, he's had some issues with some vertebrae. 
And um, in the past, he had um, some some issues. Well, when he was really well, a lot younger, he had the issue with this is a dog that had the iliopsoas injury in the groin. Um, but what I'm more concerned, he had been doing some periodic limping in the front end, um, and that was more related to the vertebrae. And so um, I wanted low impact. And uh, for his particular issue, I found that when he would swim, it would kind of loosen him up and he would feel better. And if you notice here, um, he has a life jacket on. And I had somebody like teasing me and they're like, you know, come on now, you've got this, you know, this healthy Malinois, like why, why are you putting this life jacket on your Malinois? Well, I put the life jacket on him because we don't get to swim a lot. He, 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 he is not well conditioned. We don't swim enough, um, you know, multiple times a week to be building up a lot of swimming endurance. We just don't have access to the pool. It's expensive to rent it out that much. And so um, when I go swimming, I rent the pool for 30 minutes. He is not conditioned to swim for 30 minutes. He's not. There, there, there's no way, like, dogs can overheat in the water too. It, 30, he is not conditioned for that. But I've got the pool for 30 minutes. So what I do is I put a life jacket on because he doesn't have to work as hard, but I can work him a little bit longer. So I will put him in the pool and I give him the life jacket because I give him lots of breaks. We can be in the pool. We can use the pool for 30 minutes. He is not in the pool for 30 minutes. We go in and out, in and out. And I use the life jacket because um, he's he, he doesn't have the stamina to be doing, you know, 15, 10, 15 minutes nonstop of swimming without the support. So by giving him the life jacket, I make the, the workout a little bit easier. Um, I can work him a little bit longer. He's not as stressed. Um, I can get more use of the pool. And I was very strategic in, um, in how I was exercising and why I was using the life jacket. And it was all related to how well was my dog conditioned. He is not used to swimming three days a week. He's lucky if he swims maybe twice a month. Um, if I'm really lucky, maybe one day a week. So I'm dealing with an older dog. I'm dealing with a dog that has, you know, some aches and pains sometimes. I'm dealing with a dog that um, has not built up stamina in the pool. And I don't want to just go and swim for five minutes, pay my money and leave after five minutes. <laughs> so um, I want to maximize the time that I have in the pool, but I'm not going to wear my dog out because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've got, you know, I've got the pool for 30 minutes. Let's make him swim for 30 minutes. That's not fair to the dog. Um, so, um, so why not, why not put a life jacket on them, let them work a little bit less, um, you know, but we get a little bit more duration and, um, I can slowly build him into fitness for the swimming. If I did get to swim him three days a week, I would ultimately build up more stamina in the pool. And then I would take off his life jacket and make him work harder, but we don't swim that much. And so he doesn't build up that base level of fitness that he would need to take the life jacket off and, you know, swim 15, 20 minutes in the pool. Um, so, you know, sometimes we do have to deal with the logistics of how often can you train? How often do you have a decoy to do bite work? And we have to be honest with ourselves, And sometimes we have to make accommodations um, to be safe and effective and efficient when we're working with our dogs. Um, so those, those are some things to consider. So um, let me pull up here what I, um, before I leave is, um, there's two things again, is I have the webinar. If uh, I will post it at the top of the video um, when I'm done live, but if you go to the beginning of the comments, I put a link there because I'm doing a webinar this Sunday 
evening and it's for um, fitness for detection and patrol protection dogs. So if you do detection work, scent work, um, if you have a police dog, if you do protection sports, this is the webinar for you. You want to make sure that you can come to it. If you miss it, message me. I'll either have a replay or I'll, you know, I'll be doing it again. I know. Um, also, I want to let you know is if you go to my website, let me pull this up. If you go to northeastcanineconditioning.com, let me see, here we go. If you go to northeastcanineconditioning.com, I have a new um, online fitness program. It's called the Mission Ready Canine. I'm doing enrollment right now. It's open for less than two weeks. Um, it's uh, up through July 1st. If you miss the deadline, I offer it a few times a year. But um, if you're interested at all, go to my website, Northeast Canine Conditioning. Um, just scroll down the page. You'll see the Mission Ready Canine. Click on that. You can read all about the program. You can register it right there. Um, the first 20 people who sign up, they're going to get a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me where you can send me videos and photos of your dog. We're going to do a structural analysis of your dog. We can do a gait analysis of your dog. We can discuss based on your dog's structural needs, what are you doing with your fitness program? What changes might you make? This is going to be free for the first 20 people who sign up. I've had a couple people sign up, but there are some free spots still available. So go to my Northeast Canine Conditioning website. Um, you can also just message me and let me know, or you can write the word and I will send the information to you, but it's called, um, let me pull this up for you. But if you want to just put down in the, I think, here we go, Mission Ready Canine. So either go to my website or if you just write Mission Ready Canine, I will personally reach out to you. I have a brochure on the program. I'll send you the website link. But I did want you to know that I'm doing enrollment right now for the program. So those two opportunities, if you guys want to learn more about canine fitness for our working dogs, is the webinar on Sunday and the Mission Ready Canine um, course that is open. Um, if you are more into sport dogs, um, pet dogs, you might want to look at my Elite Canine Athlete Program. And if you're a dog trainer, you might want to look at certification. So um, as you can see, there is a lot involved to putting together a fitness program. This is not something I can teach in two hours. It's not something I can teach in three hours if you're coming, you know, kind of um, just learning about canine fitness. But if this is something that you're interested in and if you want to learn more about, come to the webinar on Sunday. Check out my classes, check out my programs, reach out to me. Um, I do have other things available, um, but there's, uh, there's a lot that we can be doing and there's a lot that we should be doing right now to help keep our dogs fit and healthy um, and injury-free, whether it's senior dogs, whether it's pet dogs, sport dogs, or our working dogs. And I've got um, anybody looking for support in any of those areas, please, please let me know and reach out. So, um, all right, if I missed your questions, I will go back afterwards and I will write out and reach out and respond to them. Um, this is in a couple different websites, so I'm, I can't see everybody's comments all at once. Um, if this was helpful, if anything here was useful, informative, please feel free to um, share the video replay, um, invite others. Every Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, I am on my Northeast Canine Conditioning Facebook business page live. I love when you guys are here with me, um, asking questions, sharing information, um, sharing stories, and um, just uh, get out there, be active with your dogs, be safe, and, um, and message me if you have any questions and if you wanna learn more. 
So thanks so much, everybody. Hope this was helpful. And I will see you either Sunday or next Friday. Bye-bye for now.